Welcome to Politicus, the only podcast that discusses politics and public service from the Portuguese-American perspective. Here we discuss everything from federal policy, local issues, and U.S.-Portugal relations with the goal of driving more discussion and awareness of the issues affecting our nation, our community, and what we as Portuguese-Americans can do about it. And now, Politicus. Welcome, everybody, to Politicus, the podcast where we discuss politics from the Portuguese-American perspective. My name is Angela Simoes. I am current president of Palcus. Denise, want to introduce yourself? Welcome. Thank you, Angela. It is exciting to be here with Politicus. I think this is going to be a very important forum for the Portuguese-American communities and those who want to know about the Portuguese-American communities in the United States. So we are hoping to have a variety of Portuguese-Americans who are involved in many offices, whether they be local, regional, state, and national. Right. And for those of you who don't know Dinesh, if you've been under a rock for the last 30, 40 years, <laughs> Dinesh is also a director for PALCUS and also current chair of the board for CPAC, which is a new organization here in California, and which is what we will be talking about today. Um, and our guest today is Steve Nesiment, who is the current executive de director of CPAC. So welcome, Stephen. Thank you, Angela and Denise. It's a pleasure to be with you. Excellent. So well, let's just jump right in. Tell us a little bit about CPAC um, and even maybe a little bit about yourself, because I know that you were, you've been involved in, in the political arena for a while, even sitting on the city council for, for Turlock. So can you give us a little bit of background on yourself and then also how CPAC came to be? Sure. So uh, my, my political background really started as uh, working on the staff of former Congressman Dennis Cardoza, uh, one of our Portuguese-American congressmen, I uh, served as a member of his staff uh, for a number of years, ultimately left there as his district director, um, and also had a chance to serve as the district director for State Senator Anthony Canella, uh, who represents the Central Valley area of California. Uh, and it was during that time that we had some conversations in California with other locally elected officials who are of Portuguese-American descent about the, uh, the, the need really to create a forum where we could uh, interact with one another and try to determine the best way forward to encourage, uh, whether it be young people or those who are interested in, in public service, and give them the tools and the resources um, to do that. And at that time, I was serving on the uh, city council in my hometown of Sherlock. I was elected in uh, 2012 at the, the ripe age of 26, and uh, I was really somewhat surprised by the lack of youth in our local uh, government infrastructure. There's, looking at other communities nearby, there just wasn't that many young people. And this conversation happening in the Portuguese community about wanting to encourage others to join, the pieces just sort of fell into place. And then meeting uh, individuals like Denise, who had very uh, strong uh, thoughts on these issues as well, put together a board of directors. And, and on March uh, 4th of 2016, the California Portuguese American Coalition was formed as a way to really bring Portuguese American elected officials and, and civic leaders in the state together and allow for a stronger collaboration um, in advancing the interests of, of our communities. So that was really the, the genesis of uh, CPAC or the California Portuguese American Coalition. Excellent. And so CPAC is a little over a year old, and we just came off of our very first summit, CPAC summit that we held in Sacramento, and both Denise and I were there with you, and it was really, turned out to be a great event. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, why we had that event and what was discussed? 
and uh, what we'll be seeing afterwards. Yeah, uh, it was a fantastic event. Um, we brought together over uh, 50 elected officials and Portuguese American community leaders uh, in Sacramento uh, for a two-day summit um, discussing a wide range of topics. Most of them focused on how to get Portuguese Americans interested in, in running access to the resources they need uh, to be successful in pursuing elected office, and also just ways that they can better become involved in their respective communities, uh, in addition to building coalitions outside of the Portuguese American community to, to allow us uh, to branch out and to, to really build the, the types of coalitions that you need to, to get elected. It was really a fantastic gathering of individuals. We had representatives from, uh, I think we had over a dozen elected officials um, all the way from water board to city councils and mayors and, and uh, county supervisors. Uh, we also had a, um, our state assemblywoman, Cecilia Aguiar-Curry, uh, who's a Portuguese American who participated in the event, as well as actually our keynote speaker um, for a breakfast that we held. And bringing all those individuals together with uh, representatives from education and nonprofits uh, and really getting a good perspective on a path forward that we can all uh, work towards. And that's where CPAC really sees its role is uh, bringing individuals together uh, and trying to come to a consensus as much as possible about actions that we can take that are really going to have a, a direct impact on the Portuguese American presence in uh, elected politics in California. Yeah, I felt it was a great event. And one of the things that was key and that I think a lot of people don't realize when you say run for office or be involved, uh, you know, civically or politically, sometimes people think immediately city council or congressman or assembly, things like that. But there are other positions like water board, like planning commission, like, you know, there's a lot of other positions within uh, a city that you can start with. And uh, I think a lot of the elected officials actually told their story and said that how they got their start that way. And so I thought that was an important aspect to highlight, too, is that you're not jumping right into the fire in terms of, you know, running for office and having to run a campaign and things like that. There are a lot of other ways uh, to get involved. So, Dinesh, what were your thoughts on the summit? My thoughts are about the same as uh, most of you have just said, but I do agree that one of the important things uh, for Portuguese Americans uh, and anyone thinking about running for office to get their feet wet, as it was said by many of the uh, political entities present, is maybe get yourself appointed to one of these positions. Sometimes people will run for something and not have a very successful run at it for various reasons, but you're under, you know, you're, you're in the process already. So why not get appointed to a planning commission or a redevelopment committee or something in your local city government to where you can have access to that city government and basically know how things run. And one of the important things that was also mentioned was the, and we had a, uh, we have quite a few throughout California. Many of them could not attend, unfortunately, because this is uh, of, the, of the nexus of time. However, uh, is the education board. I know one subject that is all dear to all of us in the Portuguese American communities from coast to coast is education uh, for our community. It's a way uh, social mobility within our community and all communities. And also because of the Portuguese language and cultural presence that we all aspire to have at our different public education uh, facilities, whether they be elementary or high school. And school boards are an excellent way for folks to get uh, the 
experience they need to then get into possibly a city office, a supervisor, county supervisor in the case of California and some other states that have this, and also eventually, of course, state or national government. And the school boards make a lot of important decisions, as we all know, and it is so important that we have a larger and larger presence of Portuguese Americans at uh, these various school boards. I also would like to mention that as it was uh, discussed throughout the the process, and I think one of the successful events uh, was the the two workshops that we had in the afternoon, the one that Angela led that uh, opened it up for people to basically tell their story, the elected officials, and also to come up with some action items that Stephen can talk to us a little bit about and that are being developed by CPAC as we speak, and also the tools that were given by uh, Cliff Costa and Michael Borges, both of them political operatives, for lack of a better word, in in the uh, state of California, and who uh, I think gave some important uh, information, uh, tools and resources, uh, and thoughts for people to think about before they get into the political arena. So I think it was a mix, uh, mixture of uh, having the reflection, but also, as Stephen mentioned, the giving folks the tools and the necessary information to move forward from here. No, and you're absolutely right. And I think you bringing up the school board was very pertinent because there have been situations in our communities, I think on both coasts, where funding for a Portuguese language program has been threatened. And in those cases, the community has come together to say, no, we need to keep these programs because it's important to our community. And whether you realize it or not, if you participated in that effort to maintain the language program, then you were civically active, right? That's what that's about. That's exercising your voice as a community to either maintain the resources that your community has, in this case, a Portuguese language program, or to either demand or request uh, that you be given resources. Perhaps, you know, another community has a language program and we feel that we deserve one as well. And so that's what that means. It's being civically active and, and, you know, you can participate in those efforts and uh, those are very helpful because we need the community to back those efforts. It can't just be the politicians saying we need to have this. It's we need to have this. And here's all my community constituents that are saying we need to have this, right? And there has to be a power behind the elected official, right? And Correct. And that's how this Correct. works. And, and I believe that, uh, as Stephen would also tell you, and kudos to Stephen and everyone else who worked hard for this, um, one of the important aspects of the summit uh, was a reception. And receptions are what they are, but they're important social functions. And uh, because we tried to bring together uh, a group of legislators who did not attend the event in the afternoon, but were there to network. And it is important for Portuguese Americans to have an active voice not just within their own. In other words, we have uh, the ideal situation, obviously, would be for every Portuguese-American community throughout the United States to have its own elected officials of its own cultural background and ethnic background, but that's not always uh, possible. However, we have many folks of very different different backgrounds who work very closely with the Portuguese-American community. The state resolution for Dia de Portugal was introduced by a Mexican-American who lives in Artesia who acknowledged 
uh, are teachers in small communities in, in the LA metro area, uh, and who acknowledge that he would have not got into politics had he not had the uh, help and the assistance and the votes of the Portuguese American community in Artesia that allowed him to get on the city council and then to move on into the California State Assembly in the state of, from San Diego. We had the presence of a legislator through our honorary consul, Almiro de Rosa, who invited him personally and who represented Point Loma and who said to us on a personal basis that he wouldn't be there whether if it wasn't for the resources, some of the financial backing and some of the votes of the Portuguese American community. And he is also of Hispanic heritage. So I think that we can build coalitions and that we talked a lot about that. Um, and that's, I believe, one of the uh, CPAC uh, action items for the future about coalitions with these other ethnic groups and where we do not have a Portuguese-American elected official, they are still our elected officials and it is very imperative that our voice is present. I think that Stephen would agree with this. Yeah, and so I think one of the um, important items you brought up was the, the school board example and uh, sometimes the, the threat of funding being removed from Portuguese language programs. There is a, an old saying in politics that if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And that's really to highlight the importance of being engaged and being involved in decision-making and the threat that exists if you're not at that table and not making those decisions, that's that the things that are important to you may end up on that menu of, of items that get uh, cut when budgets get lean. Um, and so I think one of the really important um, aspects of the CPAC Summit was that it was held in Sacramento and really trying to get the Portuguese American community accustomed to going to Sacramento where these decisions are being made and making their presence known. Uh, and I think the summit was very successful uh, in doing that. We had time to uh, network with uh, several members of the state assembly and the state senate, and even discovered a, uh, a senator who uh, was not on our radar, who turns out is uh, who has some Portuguese heritage. And so uh, we're able to uh, increase our list of identified Portuguese American elected officials through this outreach and really start to build that relationship and start having some important conversations about uh, the future of the Portuguese American community in California's uh, political system. And one of those things that came out of the summit in discussions with some of those state assembly members and state senators was the need to, um, the desire to create a Portuguese American caucus in Sacramento that would be, have a chair in the Senate and a chair in the assembly and bring, bring uh, even non-Portuguese American elected officials at the state level onto that caucus, um, those who represent heavily Portuguese American communities, and give us a forum to discuss with a, uh, a group of legislators who represent those communities and identify with those communities, and we'll have a, a greater appreciation for um, the issues that impact the Portuguese American community throughout the state. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great idea. In fact, I think one has been in existence in Rhode Island State Assembly for quite some time now, and um, the New York community is actually looking to establish one in New York as well. So, uh, you know, whether it's the current political climate that's driving a lot of uh, interest and engagement, I'm not sure, or maybe it's just uh, people becoming more aware, but I feel like people are definitely more interested and their ears are, are perking up to say, hmm, maybe I should be paying attention and how can I, what can I do? How can I get involved? So what were some of the action items that came out of the summit. One that comes to mind is, um, and the reason I ask this question is because, you know, if someone listens to this podcast, 
they may not go out and, you know, fill out the application to run for office tomorrow, but there could be things that they can do tomorrow or even right after this podcast that can help put them on the path to, to becoming uh, civically active. And one of those things was even just encouraging others to consider running for office or getting involved, you know, Hey, come to this meeting with me. Hey, have you ever thought of running for, for political office? Have you ever, you know, so it's more just about the conversation and actually talking about it. Right. So what are, what are some of the other action items that uh, came out of the summit? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I would like to touch on that first point you mentioned, because I think it's a very important one and that really elected office is a, a higher form of, of uh, community service, right? You're, you are volunteering to represent your community um, and their concerns. And I think there are other ways to be uh, involved in your community uh, that don't require you to run for elected office, but certainly serve as a uh, great foundation for doing so. Uh, and so we we really do want to encourage those who have, who even if they have just a slight interest or think maybe that's something I want to explore in five or 10 years from now is to get involved in your community in a way that allows you to learn more about the issues that are impacting your community, allow you to, to build a, a support base. And you can do that a lot of ways through um, appointments. Um, if you're in a city, you can get an appointment to a planning commission. Myself, I served on my parks and recreation commission in Turlock for four years before running for city council. And the other aspect of that is encouraging others who may have an interest or that have promise um, that you see uh, would make a, a good elected representative is encouraging them to get engaged, to uh, seek appointments um, or to just run for, for office. It's a powerful thing when someone tells you that they think that you would be a good representative. You hear that mm -hmm. enough times. I know that for me, as, as a, when I first ran, I was 20 five years old when I started my campaign and to have a number of people telling me, Hey, you would, you would make a good council person. You should consider running for elected office. You know, and you hear that from three or four people and it's hard to ignore um, and it can really light a fire. And so if you see someone that you think would be a, a good representative for your community, encourage them. It's a they're powerful words and they have an impact. And uh, we know, we all know we need as we need as many good people in politics these days as we can get. So get busy recruiting. Absolutely. Uh, Denise, any additional thoughts you want to add to well, that? I, I think I'd like to just uh, piggyback on what Stephen said as far as the action items are concerned, you know, for getting folks involved. Some of the action items that were discussed uh, during the uh, uh, CPAC uh, summit was uh, making CPAC a little bit more known throughout the community. So I know that the board and uh, uh, with Stephen, who's our executive director, will be uh, hosting different events throughout the Portuguese-American communities in California. California is a huge state, as we all know. And so, and we have key communities in the Bay Area, in the Central Valley. There's like two uh, uh, locations where there are two key, key communities, uh, although we're spread out through the entire San Joaquin Valley or Sacramento, and then the LA area and the San Diego, uh, also metropolitan area. So we'll be doing lots of outreach uh, to these communities within the next few months, building up already uh, the 2018 summit. And I believe that the uh, some of the other action items were also to identify key uh, elements within the Portuguese American community that kind of uh, unify us. We're a very integrated community in California, as everyone knows. And so our issues a lot of times are just the issues that are the same for other ethnic communities, uh, whether they be European, South American, Asian, etc. But we do have some 
uh, some issues that are a little bit more pertinent to us, to our community, than they are to others. And so we want to identify these issues and rally around them and and build a successful coalition, as the name says, California Portuguese American Coalition, build a successful coalition of uh, elected officials, but also of community leaders. It was very important to have about four dozen community leaders at this event. And I should state that these community leaders were not just leaders of Portuguese organizations, which are very important, but they were also leaders of, uh, of uh, different cultural organizations. They were leaders in the education field. We had a uh, superintendent of, of uh, public uh, schools present, uh, uh, school educators. Uh, we had folks uh, from, uh, from uh, different uh, paths uh, and different parts of California, all the way from San Diego uh, to the Bay Area. So now it's just a matter of getting these uh, things together, uh, building up these action items that will be important to move our community forward. And so you, you mentioned a great point is that, you know, a lot of the issues that are important to us are important to, to other members of society, right? And, and if you ask the question, well, why, should, why is it important for Portuguese Americans to be civically active? Well, because it's important for everybody to be civically active, right? But I'm wondering, you know, is our community unique in any way? Like, is there any, and then this question is for both of you, you know, do you think that there's, whether it's how we were brought up, kind of our cultural background, the fact that we do uh, integrate and assimilate quite well, but still maintain our heritage, what, what did, what's kind of unique about our community that's a little different from, from other ethnic groups? Hey, Angela, I think the Portuguese community in, in California is certainly unique. I've had the opportunity to, to visit uh, a lot of the Portuguese communities on the East Coast and was born and raised here in, uh, in California and have seen uh, many of our Portuguese communities here in California. And even between the two coasts, there's uh, certainly a distinct difference between the communities. And I think a lot of that has to do with economic uh, issues. When the, the Portuguese immigrated to California, uh, many of them went into agriculture, started their own businesses, and tended to settle down in more rural areas um, that didn't allow them the luxury of really being able to create their own little Portuguese communities within their community. They had, they were forced to integrate to in order to be successful. And so I think that has certainly been an advantage to the, the Portuguese American community in California. They've prospered. They've done well. They've integrated well. The downside of that is that um, culturally, we I think we we suffer a little bit in California. The celebrations on the East Coast, um, because their communities are more densely populated and more tight knit, I think they probably have some more lo longevity on the cultural side and maintaining those cultural practices. Whereas in California, because we're so rural, at least in the Central Valley, where uh, many of our, our, our Portuguese uh, immigrants settled, I think that there is a um, you don't have that as strong of a, a tie or a sense of community out here, but it has allowed us to be uh, create very powerful um, advocates for the Portuguese American community. We have three members of Congress who represent uh, the Central Valley who are all of Portuguese American descent. Many of them received uh, very strong and substantive uh, financial support from the Portuguese American community when they ran for office. I know when I worked for uh, Congressman Cardoza. He told me a story of a, a group of volunteers in the Portuguese community who, when he was running for state assembly, uh, went around to all the local dairies and asked them to uh, donate uh, cows for the campaign. They call it Cows for Cardoza. And he was able to raise uh, $30,000 for his assembly campaign, uh, which at that time was a significant amount of money uh, for a state assembly campaign. So 
it, uh, I think there are certainly advantages when it comes to it's certain economic advantages um, that the immigration process in California and the way we've settled here has played. But there are, um, you know, some downsides uh, to that, that integration as well. If I may add, Angela, I think uh, we also the part of the uniqueness of the Portuguese-American community, I think obviously all cultures are unique and we have our unique differences. We have assimilated very well in California and there's costs of assimilation, as Stephen mentioned. However, uh, a part of our issues now uh, have to do with our culture uh, assimilating into the American mainstream. We haven't done a good job of that. Uh, but but that's something for our cultural organizations and our and our uh, organizations in general, uh, religious, cultural, recreational, etc. To to have that debate. However, I would say that uh, we have uh, the uniqueness of our language and our culture, and I think that one of the ways that the Portuguese American communities can move forward is to have the presence of the Portuguese language and culture at California public institutions, and we have a very good uh, presence in the uh, higher education. Many of the CSUs, uh, California State University systems, have uh, educational programs for Portuguese language classes, uh, a couple of community colleges, and some of the UCs as well, uh, especially the key UCs in the key areas. However, we have to uh, do a better job in the high school level, we have to do a better job in the elementary level, we have to do a better job in the community college level. Uh, from data that I've seen, the majority of our Portuguese-American Students uh, who go to college, and the majority of them do go to college, and it's a great thing, but they still go to a JC first, a junior college, as we call it here in California, community college. And so uh, we have a very low presence of the Portuguese language there. So I think if there's one unique aspect is, of course, our language. It's different than other languages and around that the cultural uh, uniqueness of it. And so I think we need to build upon that because where there is a strong Portuguese or even any kind of Portuguese language program at the elementary, secondary, or JC community college level, normally that community is vibrant because you're not just uh, building up the coalition of the language within the young people at the school, but the language is being taught to other ethnic groups who learn a little bit more about our, uh, our group. And it's easier for those folks, for those young people, as they go into the realm of public service to have already coalitions built in and for others to understand the Portuguese presence in California. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think some people will say, well, why would somebody who's not Portuguese take Portuguese? Well, you know, how many of us took Spanish, French, or German, and, and we're not Spanish, French, or German, right? It's, it's because it was offered. It was, a, it was an option. And I right. think and it's, give, yeah. it's the sixth most spoken language uh, on earth. And right now, I'm just that's a, a tidbit uh, in the high school I teach or the high school district I teach, we have 423 students. And of those 423 students, 235 are not of Portuguese background. Wow. That's amazing. I think it's a testament to, to the interest level that, that people have in the Portuguese language. So Correct. And I think so that's what makes us unique, and I think we can build upon that. No, I, I think it's a great point. So we have, we have reached our time. Um, we do have one last question that we will be asking all of our, our guests. But before we do that, I just want to recognize uh, FLAD because they have been a big supporter of CPAC and they supported the summit. <laughs> and so I just wanted to make sure that we recognize their support um, for that. And so let's get to our last question for Stephen, which is, uh, and we've sort of already talked about some of these suggestions or pieces of advice, right? But what suggestion or piece of advice would you give to anyone, young or old, about increasing their civic participation? Yeah, I think the most important advice I give to young people is that uh, you have to show up. Um, 
You have to show up to class. You have to show up to work. You have to show up to the mixers. You have to show up at events. Um, it may not always be convenient, but what I have found in my experience, and I, I believe I had an advantage in when I was working for um, elected officials, part of a big part of my job was to attend um, networking type events to represent um, the elected officials I was working for. And it really taught me the importance and the value of networking. And there were events a lot of times where I didn't feel like going to, but it was my job. I had to be there and I would make connections that really led to um, some great things down the road. And so uh, my advice to, to young people is to to show up and to get engaged. You have to, if you have an opportunity, we, we had scholarships available for young people to um, attend the, the CPAC summit. We had a, a young lady by the name of Ariana Santos who applied for that scholarship, received the scholarship, um, attended the summit, um, and through a conversation uh, with the uh, the chairman of, of FLOD, uh, was able to line up an internship with FLOD for next summer, and she'll be back in, in Portugal and Lisbon uh, interning for them next summer. And she would have not had that opportunity in that conversation had she not shown up. So those are the, the that is the, the key piece of advice I like to give young people is to really be willing to put yourself out there. And Angela, yes, I also wanted to recognize the FLOD, the Loose American Development Foundation, for their support of uh, CPAC and really uh, a number of great initiatives in California that they have uh, been supporting over the last couple of years um, under their new leadership. It's uh, really been a great partnership, and we appreciate everything that they're doing for our communities out here. Excellent. Denise, any last thoughts before we wrap up? Just a big thanks also to FLAD. Uh, as as Stephen said, they have been very instrumental in California in both the uh, political world, but also in building coalitions with education and culture, as they have done in the East Coast for many years. And I think that um, their role under the leadership of Vashko Hatsu, whom we hope to have uh, soon as a guest here on Politicus, uh, will certainly uh, has uh, revitalized uh, this relationship and this uh, kind of people-to-people program, although it's not a sister city program, but it's a people-to-people program that uh, brings the communities together and mainstreams the communities in a way that they do not lose their own cultural heritage and their ethnic, their own uh, specific uh, ethnic background, but at the same time encourages all of us to participate in the political system in the United States. Absolutely. And with that, we will wrap up this episode. So thank you both for participating. Uh, we appreciate your your time today. Thank you all for tuning in to this new podcast. We are really excited to be exploring the different themes of uh, political activity and civic, you know, being civically involved within our community. If you found this conversation useful and interesting, uh, please like us on iTunes or SoundCloud. Leave us a comment. Uh, please also leave us a review. Um, if you have suggestions for guests or a suggestion for a topic. Uh, please email us at palcus, P-A-L-C-U-S, at palcus.org. Uh, we would love to hear from you, uh, you know, help help to uh, create this podcast into a, a forum for our, our community to discuss the topics that are most important to you. So thank you, everybody, for your time. Um, thank you, Denise. Thank you, Stephen. And uh, until next time, have a great day. Thank you for listening to Politicus the official podcast of PALCUS, the Portuguese-American Leadership Council of the United States. PALCUS is the premier national organization representing the interests of the Portuguese-American community at large. To learn more about PALCUS and how to become a member or to make a donation, visit www.palcus.org. 
To submit feedback or suggestions about the podcast, email us at palkus at palkus.org. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of the show are not endorsed by Palkus.